What's up, everybody? You're tuning in to the Never Skip Egg Day podcast. This week, we continue going back to the basics, talking about basil and ball grape, the logo for the podcast, and we share some kitchen uh, recipe lifesavers when it comes to all meats. So, enjoy. All right, welcome into the Never Skip Egg Day podcast. Uh, thanks for tuning in. So, as I mentioned in the intro, uh, if you listen to the premiere episode, um, you know, I described uh, my personal journey uh, about myself, who I am, uh, spent way too much time talking about myself. And then I also talked about uh, the name of the podcast and I, I shared uh, a recipe and a, and a food contest that I had won. Uh, but I forgot to uh, talk about the logo art for the podcast and uh, not going to spend too much time on that because I want to get into kind of our back to the basics series uh, about how to kind of start and finding that current state when I did that shameless engineering plug, uh, if you listen to the, the first episode. But uh, so if you if you caught that uh, with the uh, cover art for the podcast, uh, you'll notice that uh, it's a cracked open eggshell uh, that has uh, tally marks etched on the inside of it, and then uh, footprints leading out of it with the uh, name of the podcast, Never Skip Egg Day, on it, and I just wanted to touch on this briefly because I thought uh, it was really cool and symbolic of what this is going to be about too, right? So we we talked a lot about um, consistency is key and patience and uh, keeping track and, and figuring out where you're at to get to where you're going, and so I just thought it was cool, kind of the, the symbolism of the chick inside the egg and inside the shell and counting down the days and you know, of what you could be, and then to also, you know, incorporate the play on words of never skip leg day. I thought it was cool that the, the footprints are leaving out of it, right? So breaking out of our shelves, or excuse me, shells, and uh, just being better than we were, uh, who better than the person we were yesterday. That's really the goal, right? Because if you consistently are better than the person you were yesterday, then you're going to continue moving forward in all aspects of life. And so uh, we'll talk about how to build upon that just with little habits. And that's what this, uh, you know, back to the basics is all about. So uh, I did want to just explain the logo. It might seem random to some of you, but uh, I fell in love with it uh, and I ran with it. So it, it meant something to me and uh, hopefully you guys think it's pretty cool too. So as promised, uh, in this episode, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about uh, what's commonly known as BMR or uh, basal metabolic rate is the, the scientific term. And I'll give like the uh, scientific definition of it. And then uh, we'll, we'll talk about, we'll dissect that and, and what that actually means. So uh, basal metabolic rate is the amount of energy expended while at rest in a neutrally, neutrally temperate environment and in a post-absorbative state. Uh, so meaning that the digestive system is inactive, uh, which requires about 12 hours of fasting. So basically what uh, BMR means is um, if you were to break out like a pie chart of your body, uh, it, it's basically your metabolism So and how uh, efficient your metabolism is and at what rate it burns calories just to keep you alive, basically. Uh, this is on average for most people about... 70% of your daily energy expenditure. Um, and so with the other 20% being, um, 
you know, basically physical, physical activity. And then the other 10% being digestion, because we talked about uh, BMR being when um, you're in like that fasting state. So uh, completely inactive. When you think about it, you probably heard like when you're sleeping that you're burning calories and things of that nature. Uh, there's so many bodily functions going on uh, in the background that uh, we're not necessarily uh, aware of every day. And that's that's what's happening. So uh, why is BMR important? So we when I talk about current state and like starting from the beginning, uh, I wish I would have done this too. Uh, it's really popular now when you look at uh, like fitness pages on social media and um, it's just not a new concept, right? We talked a little bit about it in the premiere episode, but uh, calories in versus calories out. Uh, and it, the the unit of energy calorie is a unit of energy. A kilocalorie actually is a unit of energy, right? So when you think about um, calories, it's really an energy input. So when we put uh, food and calories into our body, uh, it's an energy input. And if we're not burning the calories that we put in, then we're going to be in a surplus uh, and likely will gain weight and maybe that's your goal right so you might if you want to gain weight it would be advantageous for you to know how much your body burns by just doing nothing uh, just existing and living and keeping you alive that way if you want to be in a surplus and you want to uh, bulk up or you want to put on weight or you want to gain lean muscle or muscle mass in general uh, then you're probably going to want to be in a surplus. And then on the flip side of that, which uh, has been the majority of my journey, um, leaning out or weight loss, things of that nature, uh, it's important to be in a deficit, meaning uh, the calories that I put into my body, uh, I burn more uh, and expend more energy than I'm putting in. Uh, and to know if I'm in a deficit, I need to figure out that basal metabolic rate or at least uh, get an idea of what that is. Um, and then the same thing goes for uh, when you do reach a certain goal and you just want to maintain, uh, you're going to want to know what that basal metabolic rate is, and you're going to want your average calorie intake over the course of the week to match your uh, average expenditure. Uh, and so at its simplest, uh, BMR is an estimate. Uh, based on a few uh, factors, and we'll talk about like some popular calculators that you could do uh, right off the bat. Uh, there's also some easy hand calculations that can, you can do that take into, uh, into account these same factors that I'm going to go into. But um, there's plenty, like if you just type in into Google uh, BMR calculator, you'll get several results and you'll be able to uh, pull it up. But uh, my, my favorite one uh, happens to be uh, at a website called calculator.net, uh, and you can calculate uh, various things that we'll probably talk about in this podcast, but uh, it has a pretty good BMR calculator, and what I like about it is once you put in your inputs, uh, so those inputs are going to include, uh, if you're doing, and, and I love that it has unit conversion too, that's the chemical engineer nerd in me, but um, you know, we're just going to assume most people listening to this would probably be using uh, U.S. units. Uh, so uh, you're going to put in your age, uh, you're going to put in your gender, uh, you're going to put in your height, and you're going to put in your weight. And uh, once you do that, uh, you'll just click on calculate and it'll generate a result for you. So uh, when I do that for myself, uh, I put in age 31, uh, male, 6 foot 1, 197 pounds. So uh, my result is 1,902 calories per day, 
So what that means, going back to uh, BMR, is that if I want to maintain my current weight of 197 based on my age, uh, height, and gender, um, my, my intake each day needs to be 1,900 calories. So theoretically, if uh, I reduce that uh, by, let's say, 100 to 200 calories a day, I should be able to lose weight if I do that consistently. Uh, and again, I think the caveat I gave was uh, average over, uh, I like to think of um, calories as like the bank over the course of a week, right? So uh, to, to make it simple, uh, based on the FDA, like recommended 2000 calorie a day diet. So if you needed to average 2000 calories a day and you do that uh, Monday through Friday, you're at 10,000 calories. So you would technically have 4000 calories more left for the weekend. But like what I struggled with in the beginning, like I talked about, uh, was, you know, I'd be really good during the week and then I wouldn't do, I wouldn't really pay attention on the weekends and I would put myself in the surplus uh, over the weekends, right? I like, I, there would regularly be times where I could, it's easy to eat, you know, 4,000 calories per meal. Uh, so when you find out your BMR, uh, you can get that weekly average too and then you can put yourself in a deficit during the week if you do want to splurge on the weekend, or maybe you've got like a birthday coming up, or uh, maybe you want a, a cheat meal and, and you do want to splurge, or whatever the case may be, you can plan for it once you know basal metabolic rate. Uh, so those are the uh, absolute most basic uh, factors that go into the calculation. Uh, so once again, gender, age, uh, height, and weight, and then uh, the other input that really matters, because uh, remember, we said like sedentary, right? So that's absolutely doing nothing. But what about that other 20% and that 10%? Uh, so the digestion uh, to maximize that performance would be a process called uh, thermogenesis. And we'll talk about that uh, too. But, uh, and, and you might have heard that term with like fat burners and things like that. Uh, but for today, we're going to just focus on the 70%, so we know our base, basal metabolic rate now, our BMR, and then um, we need to take into account our activity level. So uh, activity level is going to vary, obviously, based on a ton of different factors too, right? Um, what type of training you're doing and the calorie expenditure based on that, like if you're a high endurance athlete, but you know... Uh, you're going to need to consume a lot more calories because you're likely burning a lot more if you're strictly doing weight training, powerlifting, CrossFit, uh, things of that nature. Maybe you're just starting out with good old left foot, right foot, and uh, you, you like to walk every day. And that, that, that's definitely uh, good for you and a good starting point too. But my point being is that there's different levels of activity, right? And so those play a role into this as well. So um, uh, going off of the example of me again, uh, at 1902, let's just call that 1900 calories a day. Uh, what I like about calculator.net is that it gives you a table and a range based on activity level. So the different activity levels are sedentary, uh, which means little to no exercise, uh, exercise one to three times a week, exercise four to five times a week, daily exercise or intense exercise three to four times a week, intense exercise six to seven times a week, or very intense exercise daily or physical job. Uh, the other thing I really like about this is that it explains the levels of exercise, intense exercise, and very intense exercise. So 
um, exercise it describes is 15 to 30 minutes of elevated heart rate activity. Uh, intense exercise is 45 to 120 minutes of elevated heart rate activity. And then very intense would be two plus hours of elevated heart rate activity. So uh, as you can imagine, uh, if you look at the table and the chart that it generates, uh, the less exercise you do, the less calories it recommends. But no matter what, even in the sedentary, uh, if I'm doing little to no exercise, you'll notice that it recommends that I eat 2283 calories per day. You might be asking yourself, well, oh, Brian, that's 300 more calories, almost 400 more calories than your basal metabolic rate. And that's because, again, there's that 10% for digestion that takes calorie expenditure. And because even if you're sedentary and you have a desk job and you don't get that much movement during the day, you're still likely going to burn some more calories on top of BMR, right? Uh, laughing burns calories, for example. So uh, it's basically saying if you do little to no exercise, eat 2283 a day. And then on the other end of the spectrum, if I did very intense exercise daily or I had a very uh, physically demanding job, maybe, uh, you know, I work in construction or something uh, of that nature, then uh, it recommends that I would eat 3,615 calories per day just to maintain uh, my current body weight. So what I really like about this uh, is that it gives you a nice range. And what I would recommend to you all, if you're going to calculate your own BMR, is that you start with that first result, basically the BMR. So if you're going to get into calorie tracking, uh, or even if you're not using like MyFitnessPal or doing something like that, and you just want to get an idea of how many calories you should be intaking a day. Uh, of course, I would recommend the track, but uh, ironically, in doing so, uh, you know, I mentioned that I've been on my health journey for about 11 years now. For the first eight of that, I didn't calorie track at all. Uh, and that's why I'm kind of passing along this knowledge where um, I at least wish I would have done my BMR because then I would have had an idea of the range I needed to be in. Then even if I track for a little bit, uh, I eat, you know, regularly the same types of foods, especially when I cook at home and things of that nature. So over time, I would I would have a rough idea of that, even if I wasn't tracking it exactly. That way I could know uh, kind of the wiggle room that I would have as I'm trying to achieve my fitness goals uh, and things of that nature. So uh, what I would say is start with that number. and. Uh, uh, add or subtract from there, right? Uh, if you're, and that all depends on all those other factors. Uh, some weeks you might work out more intensely than others. Uh, so you may need more calorie consumption that week. And then again, if you're trying to gain weight or build muscle and things of that nature, you're likely going to want to be in a surplus. Or maybe you have like you're training for a marathon or something like that. Uh, you might it might be advantageous for you to be in a surplus uh, that week leading up to your event, things of that nature, if you're a high endurance athlete. Uh, and on the flip side, which is where I've spent most of my life trying to be, is uh, being in a deficit. And uh, for the last three years, I've definitely used uh, MyFitnessPal. And uh, to maximize digestion, I've become a big fan of intermittent fasting too, and I'll, I'll do a, a whole episode on that because I think um, that gets a bad rap. 
and I think it's looked at as a fad, but there's some true science behind that as well. Uh, but it's not for everybody, and uh, it, it is hard sometimes, and, and sometimes I break it because breakfast is like my favorite type of food. Uh, a breakfast burrito would certainly be up there uh, in the top three, probably, if I had to choose a death row meal. Maybe we'll, we'll do that one time. But uh, bottom line is uh, there's lots of resources to calculate. If you want to do it by hand, I'd encourage you to do so. Uh, you can find those calculations on most of those calculators uh, if you just Google it. Uh, but yeah, just figure out that basal metabolic rate and treat that as your current state. And basically your starting point of, okay, <clears throat> now I know my baseline. And then now I can determine, do I want to be in a surplus? Do I want to be in a deficit? Do I want to just maintain uh, for all of my performance and fitness goals? Uh, and then uh, that's how you can maximize uh, your food or your energy input in order to do that based on your output. So like I mentioned, I'm an engineer uh, and primarily I have a pretty uh, sedentary job now. Um, it didn't always, it wasn't always the case. Uh, you know, I, I've worked for General Mills before, so uh, I would do a lot of walking in the factory and things like that. Uh, so I was definitely more active then. So what I've found that has worked for me uh, and kind of my sweet spot is in that 1900 to 2100 calorie range. I still remain in a deficit. And then, uh, you know, I, I usually do like a, a cheat or a treat meal uh, once a week, once or twice a week. Uh, and so if I'm going to go really hard, um, I try to stay in more of a deficit during the week just so it all kind of balances out uh, on a weekly basis. So that's that's my approach. Uh, but absolutely, I guarantee no matter who you are, uh, obviously, there's other factors that can come into play. Uh, with BMR, but if you just do that basic calculation, it gives you that starting point and you could work your way up or down from there uh, based on where you're trying to go. And I guarantee it'll work for you. Uh, it, it is a really good number to know and it's really simple, straightforward thing to do. And especially if you're going to do calorie counting, uh, you definitely want to do that uh, as your first step. So I encourage you all to go out there and figure out your BMR and uh, see if it. Uh, is in line with what you thought too, right? Because um, sometimes the number might surprise you. You might be like, well, what the heck? Uh, you know, that's way too low or that's that's way too high. I'm never going to achieve that. Look, it's just a starting point. Uh, you might have already found something that works better for you, but if you're looking for that starting point, that that is what I would recommend. And I highly encourage you to do so. And then, you know, our next building block upon that is... Um, the breakdown of calories that you're putting in your body. So I'm going to spend a lot of time next week talking about like the holy trinity of macronutrition and why that might be important to what your fitness goals are too and how to um, maximize macronutrition in your food even when you're having quote-unquote unhealthy foods too. Um, and we'll talk about how that plays into like a lot of the, the fad diets and things of that nature too. So how it's all based on macros. But uh, I think we've talked enough about uh, kind of fitness stuff today, even though that is uh, part of your body's health and biology. So hopefully you learned something and hopefully BMR can uh, help you uh, in that next step, uh, taking that first step maybe in your uh, fitness journey. But um, a big part of that uh, is food. And like I've talked about, being a foodie, 
not only do I like uh, quote unquote healthy food, and I keep saying quote unquote because I don't like that distinction. Um, you know, I, I've talked about it a little bit in this episode, calories in, calories out, and we'll definitely talk about it when we break down macronutrition. But, you know, there's, you know, if you find your basal metabolic rate, um, your body doesn't really care uh, from an energy expenditure standpoint. I need to give that disclaimer. Uh, whether you're putting 1,900 bodies of nourishment and uh, awesome calories into it, and when I say awesome, like if you just ate 1,900 calories of vegetables and lean protein uh, and healthy fats, like your body's going to be really happy, and that's going to help other functions like uh, organ functionality and other internal processes in your body achieve greater efficiency and digestion and things of that nature. But at the same time, uh, and lots of people have kind of proven this, if you're in that deficit or you're in that maintenance, uh, if you're eating like McDonald's, but you're like, if I were to only eat 1900 calories of McDonald's uh, consistently, I would still maintain my weight. Uh, obviously, it could lead to other health issues and things like that, artery clogging, uh, heart issues, uh, too much sugar, too much hormones in the food, things of that nature with that the, those negative connotations that come with processed food. But from a strictly a caloric intake perspective, uh, it doesn't matter. Like you might, um, a common thing that I see is like, oh, I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to, to Starbucks or I'm going to McDonald's and I'm going to have, um, I'm going to have a, uh, I'm going to have a yogurt parfait because I think, uh, or I'm, because I'm trying to be healthy uh, instead of uh, an English muffin, a uh, breakfast sandwich, uh, a McMuffin. And um, that's not necessarily true, right? Uh, and so we'll, we'll get into that in the macronutrition, but that yogurt parfait or that smoothie, if you got a smoothie, uh, could be, could have more calories than uh, that English muffin with egg, cheese, and Canadian bacon. Uh, and that's a common misconception. So you might think you're being, again, quote unquote, healthy uh, when you're really not. You're doing your body a disservice when it comes to calorie intake. But then on the flip side, like, you know, maybe you're trying to watch your sodium and uh, maybe um, you are trying to eat more fruit and yogurt and you go in that direction. And it's not about calories and it's about the nourishment. And that's a different story. And we could get into that. But. Uh, that being said, um, since we're talking about like going back to the basics and things of that nature, uh, I think it's really important to uh, set yourself up for success. And that's what the BMR was about. So uh, the other big portion of that is in the kitchen, right? Uh, you're going to hear me say it time and time again. Uh, bodies are forged in the gym, but they're built in the kitchen. And uh, I think a big... Uh, misconception around healthy quote-unquote healthy food or cooking at home is that it's bland and it's not flavorful uh, so I think that's that's the first starting point uh, at home is getting yourself some good foundational spices uh, and, and so like what I use regularly is garlic pepper I think you know if you listen into the first podcast uh, one thing that uh, I tend to watch closer uh, when it comes to my intake is sodium, right? Because of the hereditary nature of heart disease from my dad's side of the family, and then just being overweight and having high blood pressure in the past, uh, it's important to me to watch my sodium intake. So uh, 
garlic pepper, pepper, excuse me, garlic pepper is key. You gotta, so I, I watch the sodium intake and in all of my spices uh, and how much I'm using just because, uh, you know, I like to monitor that. Uh, and so I, you know, you gotta get the essentials. So some garlic pepper uh, is something that I use very frequently. Red pepper flake, uh, you know, some of, a lot of the food influencers and things of that nature that I love and follow and cooks and things like that, like, you know, they're stocking their pantries with Calabrian chili peppers and they make their own uh, spice mixes and things like that. And I like to do that occasionally, don't get me wrong. It's fun. It's awesome. Uh, but I work full time. Uh, I've got a 15 month old son. I've got other responsibilities, right? Uh, and uh, it's not always the most convenient. So I try to find spice mixes that I love. So uh, I think that's, that's as basic as it gets, right? So um, my go-to is garlic pepper, uh, red pepper flake, uh, I love granulated garlic, uh, which is different than garlic salt. That way you don't have the sodium, but I also keep garlic salt in my pantry too. I very rarely use uh, salt, and when I do, it's typically a sea salt or like a Himalayan salt, and I like to use that on steak. I, I like to be uh, as sparing uh, with the uh, variety of seasoning with steak, and we'll talk about that too, but really just basic salt and pepper. So. Uh, you gotta have pepper too. Uh, I'm not a big lemon pepper guy. Uh, Flavor God's seasonings uh, are low in sodium and they're pretty awesome and they've been pretty uh, much on sale during the whole pandemic. So I've gotten those shipped to my house. Uh, those are killer. The Garlic Lovers is awesome. Their everything seasoning is amazing. Uh, one of my favorite barbecue rubs that doesn't have any sugar in it, which is a rare thing to find, is called uh, Bad Byron's Butt Rub. It is exquisite. It goes on any animal protein, and it's really, really flavorful. And It does have a, a higher sodium content, but you just have to watch how much you use. Uh, so what I'm getting at is, oh, and then uh, my wife eats avocado egg toast every day. Uh, for breakfast and so we always have everything bagel seasoning in the house which is amazing um, all types of proteins and veggies and things of that nature too uh, so I definitely recommend getting your spice rack in order um, for whatever your flavor palette is uh, that way it encourages you to cook from home and you get better as a cook too uh, figuring out what spices work with different items, animal proteins versus vegetables versus, uh, uh, you know, um, versus cooking techniques of does it taste better when I saute it with this? Like, am I trying to create a crust like on a steak, things like that, for example. Uh, and then I'm a big sauce guy. And when I'm trying to eat healthier, uh, sometimes I'll make it on my own. And maybe I'll do that in uh, one of the recipes that I share weekly. Uh, but I love tzatziki. It's not just uh, for Greek food. For those of you that don't know what tzatziki is, uh, it's a yogurt-based uh, sauce or dip, depending on how thick you make it, whatever, uh, with a lot of fresh dill, garlic, uh, lemon juice, uh, and sometimes some olive oil. And it's, uh, it's a good way to sneak in more protein, too, uh, if you make your own with a higher-protein Greek yogurt or something like that. Uh, but... It's just a really good, easy way to uh, add flavor, and you could just put it on top of things. You can dip things in it. You can put it in wraps on the sandwich. It's really versatile. That's one of my go-tos. Uh, I'm a big hot sauce person. 
So I just like Frank's Red Hot Sauce classic stuff. Got to watch the sodium with that one. Um, not a big sriracha guy, but occasionally that helped me stomach a lot of those hard-boiled eggs back in the day, if you listened to the first episode. Uh, but yeah, so have some low-calorie sauces. Like, don't get me wrong, I love ranch too, but uh, I try to keep like lower-calorie healthier quote-unquote flavor additions uh, another uh, go-to in this household is trader joe's jalapeno sauce i actually have an awesome recipe for my own jalapeno crema that tastes just like street taco sauce anywhere you go it's so traditional like you're in mexico uh, and you could put that on a flip-flop uh, and i would eat it uh, shout out to guy fieri he says it all the time but it's true um so the bottom line is uh, food does not have to be bland at home, and healthy food does not have to be bland. So uh, when we talk about getting back to basics in the kitchen, um, get your, your sausage, sauces, not sausage, <laughs> shows what I have on the brain, uh, sauces and your spices uh, in order. Uh, that way you can start adding flavor to your food, and you can start experimenting uh, with different flavor profiles, with spicy and sweet, like I talked about with the, the spicy, sweet, jalapeno, copper roll. Uh, but uh, to end on a high note, we, we shared a cheat meal recipe last week, and I think I'm going to do that again because uh, it is summer, and a tradition that I started last year uh, with my family, my immediate family, is uh, I discovered uh, no-churn ice cream. Uh, I'm not a big sweet tooth, but I do love ice cream, and uh, no-churn ice cream is amazing. It tastes way better than anything you're going to buy in the store, uh, and so the base of no-churn ice cream starts with uh, two cups of heavy cream, heavy whipping cream, and uh, one can of condensed milk, uh, sweetened condensed milk, and then you add uh, whatever flavoring in, and then you put your mix-ins, and uh, you whip it up like you would with whipped cream. I have a KitchenAid, so that's what I use, but you can use a hand mixer. Uh, and it um, doesn't have to be fancy. And you just get it till it's stiff, and you whip the air into it, and then uh, you add in your toppings and things of that nature, and then you let it set for four to six hours, and you can enjoy. Uh, so the, the no-churn ice cream favorite so far in the family, I think, is a toss-up between uh, my salted caramel espresso chip uh, and my s'mores ice cream. And so since it's summer and since that's pretty much my wife's favorite, um, that's the recipe I'll share this week. So uh, I do a, so I talked about the base of the ice cream. So again, it's two cups heavy cream, uh, one can of sweetened condensed milk. Uh, you whip that together until it starts to stiffen up and thicken up. And then once it does, uh, I actually add a jar of marshmallow fluff into that. I've toasted the marshmallow fluff on some parchment paper in the oven before to give it that toasted marshmallow base flavor, and, and that works really well too. But if you're lazy and you just want to throw in the marshmallow fluff, go for it. So it's a it's a marshmallow-based ice cream, so like a marshmallow vanilla ice cream. I do put a little bit of vanilla in there too. Uh, again, to your taste palette, uh, roughly like a teaspoon, whatever. Uh, and then uh, I add in uh, graham crackers, uh, hot fudge, and um, actual whole Hershey's uh, chocolate bar pieces uh, into the base. And then, uh, you know, I put that into like a Pyrex glass container or whatever. You might actually have an ice cream tin. 
uh, but I like to do it in a flatter surface like a gelato. That way I can actually put uh, whole Hershey's pieces on the top and swirl the fudge uh, so it looks like a swirl is through the ice cream. Uh, you'll see in the picture in the recipe that I post of what exactly what it looks like, but it is divine. It's awesome. It's a great cheat meal. It's a great treat for summer. Uh, so definitely encourage you all to try that and uh, hopefully you learned something today. Uh, so once again, if you tune in next week, we're going to get into the macronutrition holy trinity uh, and what that means uh, after you establish your basal metabolic rate and then how to maximize that. Uh, and we'll talk about some macro fermented foods in the kitchen too. Uh, so remember, stay hungry and never skip bacon. Thanks everybody.